Good Monday morning, my peoples. I hope you guys are doing great out there. This is Yo Adrian Talks, and today I'm super excited to have Brian Jackson, but we're going to call him Bry because he likes that better, um, on the show today. So, Bry, welcome. I would love for you to share with our listeners your story. Uh, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the uh, the Rocky reference that you have in <laughs> there. I got uh, it my whole life, man. <laughs> It's uh, it was a, it, it's kind of an inside joke when I eat uh too many carbs or something that I have a not a big allergic reaction to, but a slight allergic. My face just gets all puffy, and I wake up in the morning and my doctor's like trying to say, well, describe describe your puffiness, and I'm like, I'm at like a yo Adrian type level puffiness right now. Um, it's not like I need to go to the hospital, yo, Adrian, but like, it's just like, Adrian! I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I'm glad to know. Now I got the impression too, which is my favorite part. I love hearing it. I got to get it from everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my name is Brian Jackson. Um, I, uh, the best people call me Bri and, uh, I, uh, I'm a motivational speaker, life coach, and I run a clothing line called hopeisvital.co. Um, so uh, my story begins in 1991 when I was born a baby. Um, I was born to a very loving mother, but uh, my relationship, uh, her relationship with my father was very complicated. One moment he could be um, really supportive, looking forward to starting a family, uh, the next moment, he started having doubt, accusing her of cheating, um, trying to say that I wasn't his kid. And um, the uh, on February 24th, uh, 1991, I was born a baby, perfect in health. The only thing I had was uh, some asthma complication. Um, that's still kind of a affect me to this uh, day, so I can't really run the uh, run the stairs in the in Pennsylvania like Rocky Hand. You're not gonna scream at the top of the steps. <laughs> it ain't easy being wheezy, you know. Um, <laughs> I'll probably get up like two stairs and be like, "Hold on." <laughs> you can turn around and scream it. Then I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Um, when I was 11 months old, I was in the hospital for an asthma attack and my uh, mother was trying to get a hold of my father and he tried calling his workplace to uh, say, hey, your son's in the hospital because no matter where you're at with, uh, you know, your, your significant other ex, right? Like when you have a kid, I think it's a very deep connection that's supposed to be there that's like okay regardless how i feel about this other person my kids in the hospital well of course when she called yeah. the hospital he worked at um they're like mr stewart doesn't have any kids and so my mom just you know kind of blew it off on the day we were about ready to, we were waiting for discharge papers everything was in order he makes a surprise visit and without anybody, yeah, and the reason why I say surprise visit is because of that incident. Um, he wasn't a very active father. He's in and out, right? And um, my mom had been 
she, you know, she was tired, hungry, and she just really wanted some uh, caffeine to keep her going until we could get back home so she can get a little rest. Um, you know, not wanting to fight with my dad, and she is like, hey, can you, well, I'm waiting for the discharge papers. Can you go down to the cafeteria and get me something to drink? And he said, no, I'll stay here with your kid while you go get something to drink. And so once again, not wanting to fight, right. time and place for everything. Of course. My mom's like, you know, he's safe. It's a hospital, whatever. I, I can leave. Um, and as my mom exited the room, he took out uh, a sample of HIV tainted blood that he had stolen from his workplace. He was a phlebotomist um, and intentionally injected me with the HIV virus, hoping I would die off and he wouldn't have to pay child support. So immediately my vital signs were going out of whack because it wasn't just HIV tainted blood. It was also incompatible blood. And Gosh. my doctors and nurses are rushing in trying to figure out what's going on um no he, he didn't seem very concerned about what was going on um uh, while everybody's in crisis mode he just says i need to get back to work not a care in the world and uh about a month later he told my mom uh so every everything after that was good 24 hours later every later everything was stabilized um doctors said it was weird it's like almost and they said like it's almost like he had uh an exposure to incompatible blood but he's he would be treated for asthma like right um so that just doesn't make sense so yeah Send me home, fine as it can be, probably have asthma for the rest of my life. My uh, month later, my dad took off out of the picture and said, don't worry about looking me up for child support. Your child's not going to live long. To my mom, we didn't know what that meant until 1996. Well, I'm being this playful, happy, energetic five-year-old. She just bloated, feverous, uh, sick kid. Uh, my mother was literally struggling, me, uh, struggling to carry me uh, physically carried me to numerous doctor's appointments, begging the doctors to find out why I was appearing near death. Uh, not to be tested for tons of diseases. Oh, I'm sure all uh, the normal things, that right? Exist in other, yeah, yeah, only in, even rare ones that only exist in certain countries. Um, my pediatrician had this nightmare that told her um, he needs to be tested for AIDS. And so she called down to the hospital. They tested me for HIV and the results came back. I was diagnosed with full-blown AIDS. And what that means is that my T-cell count was at zero. I had three opportunistic infection. Um, so just a little HIV 101. Um, HIV and AIDS doesn't kill you. It just depletes your body. Um, for the necessary resources, your immune system, in order for uh, opportunistic infection to actually kill you. Um, so I had three opportunistic infection. Um, 
They put me on 23 oil medication, three IV antibiotics, two injections daily, hoping I would, they could buy some more time, that there was hope. But um, in the 90s, there wasn't really hope anybody in my condition would be dead within three months. And so they sent me home from the hospital to die. Um, Even some of the medications weren't working. And one of them made me lose my hearing. Um, so for those who are listening and think I have like some kind of accent, um, I could lie, um, which I like to mess with people and tell them, oh yeah, I'm from New Zealand. I'm one of the Kiwi people. Um, <laughs> or, you know, they'll, they'll take their pick. They're like, are you from South Africa? I'm like, sure. Why not? Yeah, that's You know, great. we all come from somewhere. <laughs> you might as well come from somewhere exotic, you know? That's right. Living um, up. <laughs> So yeah, back to my story, I survived, but I uh, had to deal with a lot of uh, um, repercussions of my father's actions. He saved a life sentence in prison, um, and I just leave it at that. Um, and uh, through that, I had a, I went through bullying. I went through. Um, um yeah because like as a kid right you um so you're five when you find out about it but you're now living with this you know you made it through thank goodness um and so did they find they found medicine that regulated it so that kept you where you were able to go to school and things like that um that that's a really cool question i i've never asked so yeah, uh, theoretically, yes. Um, miraculously, between a miracle and medicine is where I existed, right? Um, because on paper, the the medicine wasn't working. But you can't discredit medicine completely because I'm still here. And so that's where... Um, Miracle comes in because medicine's not working, but so the combination between medicine and miracle, um, which overall is a miracle, uh, modern medicine is a miracle. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And that's where your your able... hope your hope is vital comes from is is your your desire and want to live is what really got you through all of that. Right. And so, like, through bullying and, you know, being left out of birthday parties, social invitations, um, by the time I got to middle school, it wasn't, uh, you know, parents, uh, parents just saying, oh, you can't hang out. It's my own peers who have run away from me in the hallway, calling me names like age boy, gay boy, freak. Those uh, verbal taunts became physical taunts. And uh as the the responsible adults i'm doing air quotes here at a podcast so <laughs> air quote uh responsible adults like oh just tell us when it happens again just tell us when it happens again and so um nobody was sticking up for me so i had to start taking matters into my own hands i was fighting back to protect myself and um uh when a fight broke out, the kids would get a slap on the wrist, they would get uh, 
detention. I would get suspended from school. And I remember seventh grade year, my principal calling me into his office saying, I don't think you should come back to school here next year. Oh. And a grown adult is having this conversation with me. Oh, God. I'd be into his office. I don't think you should come back to school next year. I, I think you're the problem child. And here's what I mean by problem child. If you just weren't here, there wouldn't be a problem. Oh. Grown adult tells me this. Authority figure within the school tells me this. Wow. And so my 12, 13-year-old man was like, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. That's how I've always been, is if there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. Well, I'm the problem. So how do I fix whatever this is? So I said, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of the problem. So I said, I, I had three knives in front of me one night, and I asked myself, which one can cut deeper? And um, ready to save my life, this voice called me to my Bible. And I opened it up, and there's a passage that says, Why should Dan cast on my soul? Put your hope in God. And so I was like, Hope, what is that word? That word hope stuck out to me. And I was like, Hope, okay. So um, we had dialed up internet, so you can just Google that to get answers. So I, I started a eat, pray, hope journey, right? And trying to really figure out what hope is. And I came to the conclusion that, you know, hope is vital. Hope is what we what we need in life. We're going to fall short a lot. Um, in life, we know we can make something, but still we need that extra person. Um, and that's hope. And, you know, hope's not only good for your personal life, hope uh, or your spiritual life. Hope's also good for your business life. Um, for your relationships, um, all, all sorts of things in life. And, you know, I came to terms that when, in life, when you have things happening to you, we tend to ask two questions. What, why is this happening to me and what can I get out of it? And I realized that sometimes we're just asking the wrong question. And um, like sometimes we'll ask God, why why am I suffering or take this suffering away rather than asking them, hey, give me the strength to endure this suffering. Give me the hope to persevere through the suffering. And so why is this happening to me? I realized why not me? And you see that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not fail. Um, And all of a sudden, life, you realize that the, the grass isn't going on the other side of the fence. It's going away you water it. And yes. um, your, your garden only works as much as you do. Um, my fiance has a garden in my back. Yeah. And sometimes I'm griping on, oh, you got to you gotta get up there and garden every weekend. You know, you got to, you know, plant some things and stuff. And you should, you know, jot down a journal about, what you plant and where you're planting and stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. And don't get me wrong, in the same atmosphere, life is a lot of work. But you can only hope that even the tiniest tomato can grow. And when that tiny tomato grows, you're just freaking ecstatic. I mean, you're not farmer. You're not becoming like, 
quitting my job tomorrow. I'm in the Prades business, baby. You know, but the smallest things and the smallest perspectives can start leading to hope. And so um, that's my answer for it. Instead of why is this happening to me? Why not me, right? Um, I love that. I love that at that age, you being um, only 13 could take what, grown adults made you feel like a problem which clearly they were the problem I just want you to know that and obviously you realize that at 13 um to go on and start speaking right you started speaking at 13 <laughs> because I, I the second question I was saying is what could I get out of this well I realized that there's more power to life when you ask what can I give out of this and sometimes Ooh. the suffering we go through in life, um, and even the stories that you have on this podcast, uh, people have experienced things in life that tell the story in hopes that you don't have to experience the same thing. Because what power is it that a, an adult can suffer their entire lifetime, but rescue their kids from that same suffering? by taking what they've learned in their lifetime and say, hey, here's how the world works. Here's how it operates. I'm, oh, I want to protect I want to protect you as much as I can, but I can't protect you from everything, so I want to tell you. And so I realized, what, what does a guy like me have to give? And um, I realized if you're not sharing your story with the world, um, what's the word missing? And I realized that the world is, uh, unfortunately, missing a lot of hope. And so I was like, okay, so how am I going to spread hope? So let's get some ideas here. Um, this camp that I went to for kids infected and affected by HIV and AIDS, um, they started a coincidentally started a, started a speaking uh, program. And I was like, sure, sign me up. And um Somebody actually just asked me this morning, they're like, you know, how did you know, you know, they were talking about when they were 12, they read this, um, this self-help book. And they're like, that's the kind of knowledge that I have in life. I want to have a knife. And so I'm going to start collecting that knowledge. And they're like, well, how did you come to terms like, oh, like, is there a speaker that you saw? Or is there a, and I was like, not really. I just boldly took one step at a time. And in order to perfect my craft a little bit more, I mean, I watched pastors growing up. I watched, and I watched musicians growing up. And so that's where I kind of wanted to find my, um, my little unique thing is like, I wanted to be the rock star speaker. And of course, I was, I was 13 years old. My sign off my sign off was uh, for those about to rock. I salute you. Like I, I was a weirdo. I was a weirdo, but I embraced being a weirdo. And um, I, I remember, I remember my first speaking event. It was in a small town called Houston, Nebraska, and K through 12 fit in the gymnasium. I was having second thoughts uh, about the, but these uh, the camp paid my way to come out and share the story. Um, and right before I was about ready to go on stage, I was having second thoughts. I was like, nope, nope, we're not going to do this. Somebody pulled me aside and said, hey, what do you want? And I was like, 
I just want a hug. And, then, and this guy, John, he's like, oh, sure, I'll give you a hug. Right? <laughs> uh, and I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. All right, I'm going to go out, execute it. I'm holding this piece of paper. Um, and I'm just like using this piece of paper as my shield, right? Because when we're taking leaps of faith, we do ridiculous things that we think protect us, right? Um, like, oh, let me hold my breath as I jump from an airplane skydiving for the first time. Like, that's not going to really help you. <laughs> um, that won't stick the landing. And that's, why we, that's why we need, like, you know, birthing coaches in the, in the you know, labor room saying, hey, breathe, breathe, right? Because they're saying, hey, you're doing this miraculous thing. It's going to take some courage and faith, you know, so you just need to breathe. And so... So I'm sharing myself with the papers. I, you know, just read word for word, right? And then I wrap up the speech and then boom, you know, don't don't even take the final bow. Like this isn't my performance, right? I just go off stage. They bring us back for a Q&A. And I'm just like, well, I already embarrassed myself one time. I'll just sit there for a Q&A. But then somebody asked me for if they can have a hug. And so not only did I get a hug from John, I got, you know, a hug from 12 people, the whole entire graduating class in the small town school. And, you know, from there, it's just like we have to, sometimes we just need that little push uh, to take, to have the courage to take the next step. And the next step could just, Pay for pay off for us, and so I've been speaking more than half of my life. I've been uh, invited to speak before Congress three times before the age of eighteen. I've spoken around the world. Um, I've, I've been uh, I've been to Africa, Europe. Um, before the pandemic, I was supposed to go to Asia. Um, I've been down to South America. And I just enjoy sharing my sharing my story because it's, it's not about me. And there's cool things, there's cool perks to the job when you're a speaker who shares your story. I, I will admit, um, but um, the cool thing about um, this is seeing how I went from a a broken person. I'm still am a broken person. We're all broken in but our own beautiful way. But a to find hope. And then hope continues to show up in my life because I'm looking for it. And I think that is the big takeaway is that sometimes we need hope to embrace the courage to do something we don't want to do. And then, you know, you'd be surprised how much hope continues to show up in your life. Well, it's kind of like what you said, right? The grass is always greener where you water it. And when you started at 13, you know, um, spreading hope, it started with 12 hugs. And now, like you've said, you've been all over the world sharing your hope and your advice with so many other people. You've spread that, you know, you've watered that grass and that grass is growing fierce and everywhere. And, um, you know, your story is really inspiring to me because I think you're right that so many people get in a spot, right? Where we're, you hear about all the mental health and, and, uh, people who that night, I mean, people contemplate suicide and you were in a moment, right? Where hope found you and you sharing that with other people, um, 
to give them the same understanding that there's more to life, right? Like you found the grass you needed to water and are sharing it with so many people. And um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us because I think everybody can find that, that thing to keep them moving forward and find their path. Like you found yours so young, you know, give our listeners um, the one thing that they could do daily to just move forward when you were in that spot and it was so hard. What's that one thing that you could help them with that you would want to leave them with? Align yourself before you decide to take out the world. It's a tough word out there. Um, what I mean by align yourself before you decide to take on the world is every day is an opportunity for you to take on the world. And um, not always going to be perfect. Not always going to be beautiful. But every day is a day to wake up and have some gratitude that you are alive, that you are still breathing. Um, what you're experiencing is real. However, um, know that there is hope. And so every day that you align yourself in hope, um, the days aren't going to always turn out to be the best day ever, and that's okay. Um, but at least you still have something to hold, to hold on to. And hope is not something that anybody can take away from you. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for coming. Bri, thank you, Bri, so much for coming on. We appreciate this. I um, am so excited for my listeners to hear you and be able to also share hope for you from this um, from this podcast. So, um, listeners, I love you. I can't wait um, for you to respond. I will show you all the ways that you can connect with Bri online. So, um, we'll see you in the group. And until next Monday realize the power is within you.